Hello and welcome to the second episode of season three of GC Stories, the podcast bringing you incredible tales and life experiences from people within the security services industry. I'm John Watkins, Managing Editor of Global Custodian, and we've really appreciated the feedback we've had on the first two seasons, so we're really excited to welcome six new guests for this series. In the past, we've had an array of individuals and stories, from those surviving avalanches to former professional athletes, military officers and undercover police officers, who have all worked within the security services industry. Joining us on today's episode is Augustine Kwachi Ajakam, a GC legend synonymous with the evolution of custody in sub-Saharan Africa, who has an incredible backstory. Growing up in Ghana, where breakfast was a luxury, you wore a piece of cloth as clothing, and being barefoot was the norm to the point where Augustine didn't wear his first pair of sandals until he was 17. Against the odds, Augustine managed to gain an education and grow up to be an influential figure in the custody world. This story has also inspired him to write a book about his life titled Against All Odds. We really hope you enjoy this inspirational tale of hardship, hard work and success. Augustine, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me, John. I'm very pleased to have you. Where are you recording from today? From Johannesburg, South Africa. I think you're our first African-based guest on the show, so... Welcome, and I'm very excited to dig into your story and learn more about you. I thought we could start uh, just by talking a, a bit about your background, if you wouldn't mind telling us, uh, you know, the, the early years and, and where you grew up. <laughs> okay, thank you very much for the opportunity. Yes, John, I was born at a village in the Ashanti region of Ghana, and that is where I grew up. I was born to illiterate parents. My parents did not have any formal education. I had a very difficult childhood life. I did my elementary school education, that is primary and middle school at the village. I was lucky to have been born at the time in the sense that basic education was free and compulsory for every child. So I benefited from it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had education at all. Some of the challenges I faced while growing up included going to school on empty stomach because eating breakfast in my home was a luxury. My parents couldn't afford to provide their children with breakfast. The only clothes that I had at the time were my school uniform, which was a khaki short over khaki, khaki um, shirt. After school, I'll put down my school uniform and put on a six-yard piece of cloth. It was a tradition at the time that every parent would give their child a piece of cloth once a year. Those who could afford would, could add more. But for my parents, they will give you that piece of cloth, a size of about six years, and that will be for the whole year. So I wore that piece of cloth after school, and I went everywhere in it, to church, to social functions, to travel, and to do every other thing. I also went everywhere barefooted. The first time I wore sandals was at the age of 17. Something that children of these days take for granted, I never had at all. For example, having a birthday party, I never 
celebrated my birthday for two reasons. First, it was not popular in the village. Nobody celebrated the birthday in the other village. And two, my actual date of birth was not recorded. So my date of birth I'm using right now has been estimated. Whether I'm older than that or younger than that, that is left for people to judge. After I completed my elementary education, one of my senior brothers who was living in Accra at the time, which is the capital city of Ghana, invited me to go and stay with him. So leaving the village for Accra was the beginning of another chapter in my life. I enrolled at a night school and studied towards obtaining GCEO levels. At the same time when I was studying, I undertook some media jobs to pay for my studies, like washing clothes for people, cutting their lawns, and being an errand boy for them. After obtaining the GCO levels in five selected subjects, that opened doors for me in my educational and professional life. That took me about three years to complete. And as the saying goes, the rest is history. Yeah, well, well thanks for sharing that story. It's, um, it's quite an incredible start to life. And, you know, the, the way you were, I guess, lucky enough to have those opportunities you did, you know, to, to, to get the education and then take it from there. But could you, would you be able to go, like you said, the next step is, is must be how you got your, your first jobs and your entry into custody. So, so what, what was the first step there? How did you get into the custody world? I was introduced to the custody world in 1994. Uh, before then, I had worked for financial institutions in Ghana and also in Swaziland, now called Eswatini. So precisely on the 14th of March, 1994, I started my career uh, in custody services at the Standard Bank of South Africa, who had recruited me from Swaziland to come and join their team. And I remember very well when I got a telephone call from the HR man to uh, attend an interview in the custody services department. I told him that I didn't know anything about it, so I cannot do it. And he asked me why. I said, look, I'm a very smallish person. I don't have military experience, so I cannot scare a thief. I don't know how to handle a gun. Then the man laughed at me and said, no, come and work with financial instruments, not a personal security. Whoa, okay. So that opened my mind. So I took up the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so I started the job on that date, 14th March 1994, with no knowledge at all in the custody services. So the bank provided me with an extensive on-the-job training on all aspects of custody services, spanning across operations, sales, marketing, and client relationship management. I found it very interesting. So I took up the challenge and learned as much as I could. Wow. <laughs> it's a, a great story. And um, yeah, I guess no, no one no one really um, grows up and, and plans out a, a custody uh, career, but, but your uh, entry certainly um, different and, and more amusing than, uh, than, than most. So. 
you know, from there, where, where did your career take you? And I imagine you must have seen a lot of changes in the capital markets in Africa during your career. Yes. About eight months after I started work at Standard Bank, that was in November 1994, they had applied to the SEC of USA for Rule 17F5 exemption for all their subsidiaries on the continent to offer custody services to U.S. mutual funds. In November 1994, the application was granted. What happened was, those days, any institution outside U.S. that wanted to offer custody services to U.S. mutual funds must have a minimum capital base of 200 million U.S. dollars. None of these um, subsidiaries in the rest of Africa qualified. So Standard Bank used their balance sheet to apply for exemption for them to be able to do. So the application was progressing when I joined them. So in November, it was granted. So looking through the staff, the junior managers at the time, I was asked to lead the team to expand their custody offering into the rest of Africa, to open it in all the markets where they had presence. So my job at the time included market investigation to assess custody services opportunities in the, in the countries, to understand regulators entry requirements for custody services, including application and other entry requirements, overseeing the setup of the custody services operations, which included staff recruitment, writing procedure manuals, risk controls, and all that. It also involved sales and marketing for clients, which included business pitch, responding to RFPs, and operating requirements, client relationship management, and included in this one, I was lucky, annually, I will visit our clients, international clients coming from US, basically New York and Boston, UK, and the rest of Europe. It was an annual thing that we did. So I had opportunity to travel to all these countries at least once a year. Between 1994 and 2003, I launched the product at Standard Bank subsidiaries in the following nine countries. Botswana, Ghana, Kenya, Namibia, Nigeria, Tanzania, Uganda, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. The, the highlight of my custody services career was when I was inducted into the Securities Hall of Fame by the Global Custodian Magazine in October 2009 and conferred on me a Global Custodian legend. I was very happy when I achieved that. That's brilliant. And, and yeah, that's a, a great history of, of your career. And yeah, could, you, could you touch a bit upon how you've seen the, the markets evolve uh, during your career in Africa? In the early 1990s, when we started providing custody services in the rest of Africa, there were only two banks that offered the services in sub-Saharan Africa outside South Africa. These were Barclays Bank PLC and Standard Bank of South Africa. There were few stock exchanges on the continent with limitations in attracting international portfolio investors. 
some of the challenges which have now been overcome at the time were there were few listed instruments on those markets and they were mostly equities. Fixed income securities were not popular at the time at the stock exchanges. The stock exchanges were not liquid because of the few instruments available and also there were not many buyers and sellers, so no activity happening on these exchanges. There was lack of automation, fiscal operations of the stock exchanges. Securities were held in physical form, no central depositories. There was no electronic clearing and settlement system. There was no electronic linkages between the stock exchanges and the market participants. The markets were not properly regulated. And as I said before, there were only two banks providing the services. And in certain markets, I remember very well, in Namibia and Nigeria, they all had one provider each. So this posed a challenge for investors as they were limited to choice of providers. But I must say that credit must be given to the pioneers of custody services into this region, Barclays Bank and Standard Bank South Africa, who played an important role in shaping the markets. There were some individuals who were involved and want to give credit to. Uh, they were my competitors at the time, but we, we, we became colleagues later. Mr. Charles Stevens and Mr. Chris Woodridge from Barclays Bank, and then I from Standard Bank. In our separate visits to the markets, we had meetings and we also worked with the stock exchanges and regulators, including central banks, to highlight what can be done to make their markets attractive and also act liquid and active in the markets. So what we see now in Africa were as a result of what these gentlemen did at the time. And I'm happy to have been part of the team. Wow, that's, uh, that's quite an incredible story. And it sounds like the market uh, you left was uh, very different from the one you, you entered. <laughs> yes. but, uh, but of course, not, not left entirely because now you're, you're setting up this uh, consultancy business. So could you just touch briefly on yeah, what it is you're hoping to bring to the industry through, through your new setup? After 26 years in the custody services industry, I retired in September 2020. When I retired, I still saw that I had strength and energy and some knowledge to share with the market. So I registered Amilka Consulting to continue to support the African capital markets. During the 26 years, I held various African regional positions with banks like the Rand Merchant Bank, Societe General, Standard Chartered Bank, Barclays Bank, and Standard Bank of South Africa. Amuka Consulting, we are financial services consultants specializing in custody services. We look to contribute to the development of people who are passionate and committed to change, development, and delivery of quality services. Since the reform of pensions industry in certain African markets in the last 10 years, we have seen increase in indigenous banks venturing into providing custody services. So it's our objective 
that my company's objective to serve these banks and to offer marketplace in, in the African mar uh, capital markets in the following areas. To support institutions wanting to set up custody services. This includes pre preparing business case, setting up strategies, recruiting of, recruitment of staff and training them, writing of procedure manuals, and helping them to choose a proper and appropriate custody system. Two, to assist with entry into new markets, including investigating market viability and entry requirements, including licensing. We are also there to review existing operations and provide guidance on service improvement. We are there to support banks to design client-focused strategy for client acquisition and retention, and also to support regulators in these markets in reviewing their, uh, um, their regulations to provide advice on where things can be improved to make our market comparable to other um, regional um, stock exchanges. Our extensive experience in these areas and the skills that we come with form the basis of our strength. Well, all the best of luck with uh, those future endeavors. Uh, you know, the last question I had, Augustine, before we move on to the questions we ask all our guests was, I, I saw you'd written a book. Um, so I'd, I'd love to know, you know, what drove you to, to put your story down in, into a book format? And, and to, yeah, I'm sure we can work out what it's about, given your answer to your first question today. Could you give us a little bit of an overview about the book? The title of the book you are referring to is called um, Against All Odds. And I wrote it using my life experience to encourage the younger generation, especially those with similar lifehood, um, uh, childhood life like mine, not to allow their background to determine how far they can go in life. Achieving fame, wealth, and honor demands hard work, diligence, and humility. The book encourages its readers to trust in God and work very hard to achieve a better tomorrow. The next section of the, the podcast is three questions we ask each, each guest, and we've done this for all three seasons. So the first of those is, who from within the security services world has inspired you? My inspiration came from one Mrs. Jeanette Cole, whom I met at Standard Bank in my early days in the security services world. She contributed a lot to my training. Her wealth of knowledge and of the product and her willingness to share it with everyone who worked with her was wonderful. She was passionate about the product and took pride in everything she did. She literally held my hand during those days and took me through every aspect of my training. She inspired me a lot, and I, I aim to be like her one day. Jeanette, a British citizen, has long returned to UK when she retired, but we are still in contact. Excellent. Thank you. And where has inspiration from outside of your professional life come from? This has come from my wife, Margaret. We have been married for 38 years. And not a day during our journey has she said anything to discourage me. 
He's a very positive person and never looks at negative side of things. Her understanding, support, and patience to stand by me in difficult times has been amazing. She's also a great woman of faith in God. I strongly believe that it is her physical and spiritual support, advice, and encouragement that have seen me through all these years. Wonderful. Thank you. And then the final question, and uh, this may be a, a line out of your book, but uh, what's the biggest life lesson that you've learned that you would like to pass on to others? The biggest life lesson I've learned that I would like to pass on to others is that there are no shortcuts to achieving greatness. Irrespective of one's background, limitations, and setbacks, you can still rise and shine if you are determined, humble, and willing to learn. No matter the challenges one faces, they are not enough to hinder your goal, progress, vision, and ambition. What people say about you is irrelevant when you know where you are heading to. The inner voices within you should speak louder and better than your op oppositions. If you fail to encourage yourself, no one would encourage you. There are numerous treasures in a man which may remain untapped if not carefully searched for. Augustine, it's been a pleasure to hear about your, your story, your career and, and the, the work you're doing now, but also some of the messages you've given to our audience. I'd read uh, your profile and, and, and heard about you before the conversation. And, um, you know, it's, it's been as enjoyable as I, I thought it would be. So uh, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your story with uh, me and our audience. Thank you, John, for the opportunity.